You're listening to PT Meal Physical Therapy Podcast. This is episode 47. My guest in today's show is a certified lymphedema therapist and a certified comprehensive oncology rehabilitation expert, Mary June Nosete, physical therapist. In this episode, we talked about oncologic physical therapy, the difference in treating patients with cancer and cancer-related symptoms, considerations and treatment plan for these types of patients, motivating or cueing to promote patient participation, and we also taught, touched on chronic pain management in patients with cancer and her learnings in uh, oncologic physical therapy. So let's take a listen. Welcome back to another episode of PT Meal Physical Therapy Podcast, your weekly serving of insights, information, and inspiration from the experience and expertise of Filipino physical therapists. I am Johan Delapaz, your host. Let's go on with the show. So for today's episode, we are going to talk about working as an oncologic physical therapist. So my guest today is a physical therapist specializing in lymphedema and oncology rehabilitation, Mary June Nosete. Welcome to the show, June. Thank you. Hi. Hi. So um, before we dive into the the topic, um, could you give us a little background on um, how you started as a physical therapist to what led you to your current roles now? Yes. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a licensed uh, physical therapist in California. I live in Los Angeles. I moved here in 2009, I think. Um, and I started as a physical therapy aide for a skilled nursing facility while I was studying for the board exam. Um, I passed the board in 2010. And in California, before you can treat as a, a physical therapist, you have to have like an internship for 10 months. Mm-hmm. So I did that in acute setting. Um, I was rotating uh, with a couple of hospitals. And then I got my license. And then from acute settings, I, I ha- had experience in skilled nursing facility, home health, um, boarding care. Um, adult daycare centers, um, kind of overlapping. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the past six years, I've mostly been in outpatient uh, physical therapy. Um, That is where I decided to get my certification in lymphedema training. I got certified maybe almost four years ago now. Uh, prior to that, the reason why that led me to lymphedema was I was doing wound care in the acute setting and I saw the need for um, physical therapists who are specialized in lymphedema. Most often with wound care, it's nursing. However, I really, really appreciate the roles of physical therapists in the wound care and edema, chronic edema, because we're in charge of mobility modifications and adaptive equipment that uh, some nurses won't be necessarily exposed to. Um, so then, you know, lymphedema certification is quite expensive. Right, right. <laughs> uh, very expensive, actually. But luckily, in this um, outpatient setting and company that I am currently working for, they have a very generous package for CEUs. And that's how I got my certification. So then I started treating lymphedema patients in the outpatient setting. Um, initially, I thought I would mostly be seeing cancer patients or patients diagnosed with cancer, but I found that it's actually 50-50. 50% was 
um, related to ca cancer related and 50% was vascular. Mm -hmm. So the vascular would be bilateral lower extremity edema, which actually is a little bit more complex in, in the treatment setting. Um, so then that led me to getting my certification as a cancer rehabilitation specialist. Um, I would say within the year. Mm -hmm. So then I'm slowly building that program into that outpatient clinic I'm working for. Mm -hmm. When you started here, because you've been around, you've been in a lot, all the settings, all oh. those, even, even settings that I haven't heard, all like board and care. Do they have physical therapists there? I, I thought they were just like, they just stay there and, and be taken care of by nurses. So, so you've been around uh, all of the settings and did you have an idea that you're going to, uh, that you're going to go to, you're, you want to specialize on lymphedema and, and, and uh, cancer related uh, conditions? Actually, no, mm -hmm. I, I didn't really plan it. I mm -hmm. knew that I was always interested in the wound care and the mm -hmm. lymphedema, but I, I never really, I didn't have that need, I guess, mm -hmm. or no. want to really specialize in anything. You know, mm -hmm. when I first came here, I was just working a lot. That was the whole point was just to work, mm -hmm. get experience, but also, of course, financially, it was, it was very important for me. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it kind of, the, the opportunity just kind of unfolded itself. Mm -hmm. um, when I went into the outpatient setting, uh, one of the physician doctors there were asking if we knew anybody who, who does lymphedema treatments. And I mm -hmm. said, I, I'm very interested. I've been always interested about it because, you know, in school, we never really talked about that system. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think any school, even here in the United States, are really, you know, putting that in the curriculum because I've talked to some of the lymphedema therapists across the country and they said that it's, it's not very, um, yeah. we common. just, we just like brushed up with a topic. Um, I remember with massage before, like right. if, if patient had a, um, lumpectomy, then right. the, the arm would be, um, presented with some area and edema. So that mm -hmm. is the, the only time I remember if, my, my memory serves me right where lymphedema or edema is being discussed but other right. than that no. <laughs> no and i think until now and it, i think it's a the biggest obstacle is because the the school is expensive mm -hmm. it's, it's very you know it, it's unfortunate that way because i really feel like a lot more people would would provide that treatment if mm -hmm. it's a little bit more accessible the information's a little bit more accessible Mm. Um, but yeah, the opportunity really just unfolded itself for me. I'm really, it's, it's a, it's, um, it's not an easy specialization. Yeah. Um, it's not so much with the treatment itself, but of course, because you're, you're dealing with patients who have chronic, um, and, and, you know, pretty, some of them are in palliative care, you mm. know, end of life care. So it can be emotionally um, fatiguing mm -hmm. for the therapist, but, but it's also very re rewarding. I feel. Right, right. The first, uh, I remember the first time I encountered a patient with lymphedema, I was my lateral lower extremity, like really, her legs are really big. I was mm -hmm. like, and the patient uh, and the, the PT that I was following was trained to, to like do the wrapping. And I was like, 
am I expected to do the same? So I started researching on on getting a certification, and, and you're right, it's really expensive. So like, I would love to learn more about it, but it's expensive, and the company was not, was not gonna pay me to do that, so okay, <laughs> no. Yeah, but it was really interesting. Yeah, I, I one of my goals actually in the future, it may be the far future, is to bring that information back home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever I'm I'm doing right now in terms of program development in the clinic, I'm mm. in the back of my mind. You know, I'm trying to see how we can translate this and bring it back to the Philippines and and really start in the school setting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I really feel like the teachers are going to be a good advocate for mm-hmm. future physical therapists to be more knowledgeable about it. Because mm-hmm. with especially with cancer, you know, there's a lot of surgeries and treatments now with chemo, radiation that they really, really prolonging more lives now. Mm-hmm. So the good thing about that is, you know, more lives are being saved. However, there's a lot of side effects from the treatments. And there's not a lot of uh, people who know how to help these patients, mm-hmm. you know, cope with the long, because most of them will have long-term side effects. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, before we move on further, for those who are listening who are not familiar or have encountered uh, a patient with lymphedema, could you uh, discuss with us briefly what is lymphedema? So lymphedema is pretty much chronic swelling. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. Edema is palpable swelling. Lymph is fluid. Mm-hmm. It's the fluid that is circulated in the lymphatic system. Mm-hmm. It is responsible for the, the recirculation of uh, waste products, protein, um, white blood cells, and water mm-hmm. so that they it goes back into the venous system and it filters out through through um, our kidneys and our urinary. Right, and and the common conditions that uh, wherein you encounter uh, these types of, of edema are what what type of condition? So there's a primary um, cause which is congenital. So mm-hmm. it's hereditary that you're born with malfunction or um, I guess partial obstruction of your lymphatic system. And then mm-hmm. there's secondary causes, which can be caused by a couple of things. So the most mm-hmm. common cause around the world is uh, uh, it's, it's by a mosquito, uh, an insect. Mm-hmm. So called Phil, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I still can't pronounce it right. <laughs> I think I know that word. <laughs> Phil- Philiaresis. Uh-huh. I think that's how we pronounce it. Um, it's not very common here in, in the west side of the globe. Here, it, what's more common is vascular vascular causes where there's chronic venous insufficiency so that it just builds up over time where the venous system and the lymphatic system, you know, fails and, and swelling just stays in the limbs. Mm-hmm. And then you also have cancer-related lymphedema, which is caused by... Initially, was was thought to be only caused by radiation and resection mm-hmm. of the of the lymph nodes, mm-hmm. but um, new research is saying that um, even chemotherapy can can cause it now. Gotcha. All right, and then we'll segue there now to oncologic physical therapy. So, um, with uh, people would just like have an idea, like 
ontology physical therapy is is dealing with um, patients who are are experienced like have cancers or have like cancer related issues. So, what is different with oncologic physical therapy as to other aspects of physical therapy? Okay, so with um, when you specialize in cancer rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. You will get patients, um, sometimes f- the spectrum is large. It's mm-hmm. large. You, you can get a patient in, um, recently diagnosed with cancer who's awaiting treatments because mm-hmm. they may be experiencing cancer-related fatigue. Mm-hmm. So if they're, if they're experiencing cancer-related fatigue, then there's a lot of education that happens in the treatments, energy conservation techniques, pacing. If they need adaptive equipment, then you prescribe it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, if they come to you after surgery, then that's also a different um, kind of plan of care mm-hmm. where you have to work closely with a surgeon um, to figure out what protocols you should observe um, with certain, like, for example, with breast, breast cancer uh, surgeries, you know, depending on the resection or the procedure that they perform. Sometimes they won't be able to perform full trunk extension for mm. a couple of weeks or they can't go past 90 degrees for a couple of weeks. So you have to work closely with physicians if you want to focus on immediate post-op um, uh, cancer surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the aspect of preparing the patients for radiation, like specific for breast cancer patients. They should be able to perform to to achieve this this motion in order to receive radiation. Mm -hmm. And after surgery, they won't have that mobility. So Mm. then you have to be working very, very closely with a patient to increase that range so that they can get the treatment of radiation. If they can't get their arms up um, in that position, then they won't be able to receive treatment, which can be detrimental to their health. Mm-hmm. So a lot of occupational therapists that are lymphedema therapists are working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's not immediate post-op, you also have chronic issues. So then you'll have chemotherapy-induced neuropathy problems in their hands and their feet. Cancer-related fatigue is always a given. Mm-hmm. Cancer-related fatigue does not go away with rest. Mm-hmm. So you really have to work with the patient in order to in- slowly increase their tolerance to activity. Other chronic conditions is edema. So educating them from the beginning, the risks, you know, how to monitor their skin, how to uh, avoid um, triggers. Um, just explaining to them what lymphedema is is very mm. helpful to these patients. And then, of course, you'll have patients that are on a palliative, adaptive plan of care where you're really just supporting them, making them comfortable, trying to lessen their pain as much as you can um, at the end of their life. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so it, it, it's not just uh, patients who were, uh, did uh, like surgery or, or, yeah. So it's, it's the spectrum. The mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, cause um, the first time I encountered, a, a patient with cancer as referred to physical therapy, I was like, what's different with, with uh, treating this type of patient? When, when I assessed the, the patient, it's, I looked at him as, um, as a deconditioned patient with, with uh, 
decrease activity tolerance, easily fatigue. And I was like, okay, it, it, it's doable, doable like that. So, but it, it's not always like that. So what are the special considerations that you, you, you try to like see when you treat uh, patients with, with cancer? Well, it really depends on what stage of treatment they're in. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, you know, if they are in current active treatment, then mm-hmm. you really have to um, be in close contact with a physician to make sure that your goals mm-hmm. is in line with the oncologist's goals. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it is important to be functional, but sometimes if there is, you know, joint mobility that needs to be, um, increased like the neck or the shoulder, then you have to make an effort to focus on those things. If mm-hmm. they're preparing them for surgery, then you, you need to make sure that you're keeping the swelling down. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're seeing a cancer patient that's, that's having long-term side effects, mm-hmm. I would say that the physical therapy there is a little bit more similar than the usual. Mm-hmm. So you you keep it functional based. You mm-hmm. always want to just keep it functional based and patient goal oriented. You know, mm-hmm. some of these patients, you know, going through cancer and cancer treatment, they're they're amazing. You know, they mm-hmm. they're just really they're warriors. So it's really important to figure out what they want mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives. And sometimes you have to ask the questions in mm-hmm. order for them to figure it out themselves because mm-hmm. they, they won't, they won't specifically say it outright. So you're kind of like interviewing them. It's mm-hmm. like motivational interviewing them and encouraging them to, to really plan for their future while they're dealing with the long-term side effects. So I guess it's, it's functional based um, but not just on a single function. You're, you're thinking more like, you know, okay, three months, six months, a year mm-hmm. from now, what mm-hmm. do you feel like you want to be doing as opposed to our normal, you know, orthopedic conditions? Right. Your, your goals are a little bit, you know, closer to, to, your, to the present. Mm-hmm. So you, you've talked about motivation in, in having cancer is a lot to deal with. So how do you um, motivate your, 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 your patients that you're seeing in performing those activities uh, and performing physical therapy, probably with some of them in the back of their mind, they're unsure of the future. So how do you, how do you deal with that? You listen. Mm-hmm. That's number one with with cancer rehabilitation is you listen because most often when they see an oncologist, you know, they're done in 15, 30 minutes. That's, you know, they're done with their visit Mm -hmm. and there are resources out there, you know, online there's resources, you know, in brochures, but I still think it's lacking the area where these patients can just talk about their cancer and Mm -hmm. what they feel about it. Right. And that's where we come in because when, when I ask them, oftentimes when I see a first patient, my first question would be, um, well, after the, you know, are you having pain and all those things? And we talk a little bit about their history of their cancer. But my, my favorite question would be, how do you spend your day? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because like what, what time in the morning do you start your day? Do you eat breakfast first? Because if they can give you that information, 
then you can really figure out which activities they're going to have, you know, they'll be having the most difficult um, time. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you ask them, what's difficult for you? They'll say everything. Everything mm -hmm. is difficult. Right. Every, you know, going to the bathroom. Um, with gynecological cancers, you'll have problem in pelvic floor. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's important that you have a little bit of background of that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, but really knowing what their day is like is important. You're kind of like you're investigating without seeming, I guess. Nosy. Nosy. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. That's, that's the, that's exa exactly what I'm looking mm -hmm. for. And then they can kind of look back in their day, you know, throughout and look back at their day and think, Oh yeah, you're right. I am having trouble there. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's really awareness and having that, that respect for each other because mm -hmm. you have to gain their trust. Otherwise, if you say you're tired, but we need to exercise, they're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. They won't right. come back to you. I'm tired. I don't want to deal with it, mm -hmm. but you have to, you have to gain their trust and say, I understand you're tired, but if you just rest, it's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. So I really think conversational interviewing is very important in, in cancer rehabilitation. And sometimes I spend a whole hour just interviewing them and giving them little bits of tips, mm -hmm. you know, energy conservation techniques, when to perform their diaphragmatic breathing, when to get up from the bed, when to lie down. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know? Yeah. All yeah, those that things. things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember when uh, the the first patient that I was handling, the handled that is cancer related, when he said like I'm tired, and I was like, okay, let's sit down first because <laughs> I I haven't encountered anyone with. It. I was like, why do I have to uh, uh, see a patient who's who's just doing chemotherapy? I I don't see the uh, the need because I was doing like home health. Then, then when I, when I got there, then the need came out, it was really, everything was taxing for him. So taxing, like going out the, the, the driveways, really taxing for him. It was really tiring. So I had patients in, in skilled nursing, in the skilled nursing facility when I worked there that are actively doing, I think chemotherapy, the one that they have like the small box they attach to their, mm -hmm. uh, their their body and and they take it out like after two days so for those like types of patient how do you like do you encourage them to to still move after like on days that they're really tired or do you like let them wait and rest then 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 do the, th the therapy after for that days so, so you, I, that? you never give them anything Strenuous, of course. So we're mm -hmm. not talking about strengthening, like mm -hmm. resistance training. Right. So that's that's completely. Right. Uh, it's, if you are going to teach that, that's later on once mm -hmm. you've established a whole program already. But with those patients that you encountered, the first thing would be, I would say, diaphragmatic breathing. Mm -hmm. The diaphragmatic breathing. Um, what I learned before is is very basic, but now you know through. Um, reading articles and learning through the other instruct my other my instructors mm -hmm. there you can be very creative in diaphragmatic okay. breathing and that's both a relaxation technique an edema management technique and also it helps with uh, core mm -hmm. so you okay. you have a core strengthening factor there so really with if you can get the patient 
to perform very good diaphragmatic breathing, you're pretty much, you know, tackling all those goals. Mm -hmm. Then you can also add some resistance. And that's what I learned uh, the past year is how to resist it in different ways. Okay. How to be creative about using diaphragmatic breathing as a tool to relax the patient and be in control of the activity. Mm-hmm. So let's say if they're having trouble getting out of the bed, how are you going to incorporate diaphragmatic breathing so that they can take control of that activity? Same thing with brushing their teeth, combing their hair, uh, sitting still, mm-hmm. you know, waiting in line, all those things. Because um, I think that is a simple exercise that you can actually expand on. Mm-hmm. And it will make sense to them. Mm-hmm. It will make sense why they have to exercise. If you give them a bunch of exercises with a handout, that wouldn't make sense to them. But if you tell them, okay, in order for you to hang your clothes up, you have to do, you know, this kind of shoulder flexion five times before you do that. Mm-hmm. You're warming mm-hmm. up for that activity. So it's, it's, it's really kind of, you're not really teaching them anything complicated. Okay. The simple, the better. Mm-hmm. The, the more functional based, the better. So it's, it's really up to the therapist how, how you're going to be creative about that. And, and that's the one thing I really like about it because, you know, in the medical field, you can't be too creative, obviously. Mm-hmm. But this area of um, physical therapy, I feel like you can really kind of dig deep mm-hmm. <laughs> in your brain. Right. And, and figure out how how am I going to help this patient? I like what you said because commonly the way I thought about it is like, okay, uh, patient is deconditioned, so I need to do a lot more like endurance training, like more reps, less weights. So that's that's my thinking back then. So I guess right. now hearing that, um, that's a good 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 point of view of. In, in handling patients with cancer. So you, you've mentioned um, deep breathing um, exercises. And I, I'm quite curious, how do, how do you do a proper deep breathing exercise? How do you cue the patient in doing so where it, it becomes your basis for your other functional uh, training for them? So I use a lot of imagery, I guess, if uh-huh. that you would call it. Um, I would have them find the most comfortable position first because mm-hmm. you want to lessen the guarding, mm-hmm. okay? Because if you have a lot of guarding, then that's kind of, you know, you, you, you're not going to set yourself up for success. Right. So find the most comfortable position for the patient. And sometimes that's lying supine. Sometimes it's side lying. Sometimes hook lying. Um, sometimes you have to recline the mat sitting, mm-hmm. sitting with a pillow in front. Sometimes standing, is easier okay. for the patient. So, you know, that's, I feel like that's the most important thing is find the most comfortable position for the patient. The second would be explaining to the patient why you're teaching it. Mm-hmm. They have to understand why. We always say, you know, you should breathe, but, mm-hmm. but really why? Okay, mm-hmm. but you want to keep the explanation simple enough for them to understand. You don't want to give a full scientific explanation. You just say, this is going to help you increase your stability in your body Mm-hmm. It's going to help you compartmentalize your thoughts and kind of take control of, of your, of your activity. Mm-hmm. 
okay? So if, if you just give them some encouragement, like encouraging words like that, I never had a patient who said, that's that doesn't make sense. Uh -huh. Never in the past, yeah. you know, five, six years. So after that, after you've explained to them and they're agreeable, because if you're if they're agreeable, it's so easy to cue them. Mm -hmm. Really, yeah. sometimes it just takes one or two adjustments and they, they got it. So in, if we're talking about the actual cueing for diaphragmatic breathing, I would have them close their eyes and imagine that there is a balloon, like a children's party balloon mm -hmm. in, their, in their belly. Okay. And then I'm, I, I tell them to breathe in through their nose and imagine that they're filling that balloon up with air. Okay. Now I don't give them too many cues in the first few tries. Even if they're doing this, I kind of mm -hmm. just let the thoughts sit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because if you give too much um, cueing, it feels like um, too early of a correction and the patient will start stressing. Uh -huh. And okay. they might get frustrated as well. They might yeah. get frustrated, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to be calm as much as you can. And, you know, teaching three to five reps of diaphragmatic breathing can take me 15, 20 minutes. Oh, okay. It can. You mm -hmm. just have, of course, in your documentation, you have to justify what you said, how the patient reacted, so that, you know, in terms of billing purposes, then you're covered. Mm -hmm. Okay, so after they think about that inhalation part, then I tell them, okay, slowly breathe out through your mouth, and then imagine that you're slowly letting that air out of the balloon. Okay, and then additional cueing would be, okay, try to keep that balloon small and then slowly increase the diameter of the balloon, you know, those things. So then you can kind of uh, try to let the patient feel, you know, the rib cage moving, mm -hmm. their navel moving. And again, even if it's not correct that mm -hmm. they're doing it, you just have to find the, the, the right imagery. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oftentimes the balloon works. Okay. Right. And other things that you can do is of course, tactile cueing. So mm -hmm. I would tell them, you know, so it's, you know, the balloon is right here. Right. Okay, it's not up here. And then sometimes I'll tell them to put their hands right here. Okay, if they're having a hard time with this, I tell them to put them on the sides. Mm, okay. So then I say, okay, breathe in through your hands. That's it. Because if you're breathing through your hands and your hands are on your waist, then you're doing the belly. Mm, they're going to feel it, right? Yeah. They're going to feel it. So if they have that feedback for themselves, it's exciting for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in that, that 20 minutes, you've actually taken their, their thought away from cancer for that 20 minutes. Because mm -hmm. they're constantly thinking about their cancer, constantly. They're asleep, they're thinking about it, they're dreaming about it. But right. in that 20 minutes, they didn't think anything but the balloon. Mm -hmm. So it's much more than just, you know, um, breathing intervention. It, it's just much more than that. You just have to um, kind of uh, see how and it's not just for cancer patients really a right, lot of right. orthopedic patients can benefit from it because oftentimes uh, our, our orthopedic injuries are stress related mm -hmm. work related so you know i feel like that across the board mm -hmm. you can really right because there's a lot of like uh guests here i've already mentioned like the the deep breathing um exercises are like basis in, in their treatment as well i had uh Vial 
Oligaria, he said, she said that also deep breathing is, is one of the foundations in her yoga therapy sessions. And they're like, okay, so it's, it's really, uh, it's really something uh, like the foundation essential, essential for, for every patient that, that they can benefit there. And one of my guests also said that the, the diaphragm is, as you also mentioned, is, is part of the core. So it's, it's the roof of the whole core. If you're going right. to think, if you're going to think that it's the, the 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 trunk is a cylinder, you have the pelvic floor as the the floor, and and the the diaphragm is the roof of the yes. the core muscle. So there, that's a thank you for sharing that with okay. us. So aside from uh, providing them with cueing with deep breathing exercises, what are the the usual interventions that you uh, incorporate or employ with patients that you see with uh, cancer or cancer-related symptoms? So if, if I'm mainly seeing them for lymphedema, mm-hmm. then that's, that's, um, that's, kind of, that's a specialization that's not mm-hmm. necessarily just cancer. cancer. So if we're going to talk about lymphedema, so the golden standard is called complete decongestive therapy where you have four components. You teach them about skin care and monitoring. You talk about um, decongestive exercises. And most of the therapeutic exercises involved here is mostly range of motion exercises. Okay. And then the third one would be manual lymphatic drainage, which is the, I guess, they don't want us using the term massage for mm-hmm. manual lymphatic drainage, but mm-hmm. just to be simple about it, it's, it's you know, the mobilization of the mm-hmm. skin. Mm-hmm. That, that is a little bit complex because you have to be aware of where the nodes are so that you'll know where to direct the fluid to. Mm-hmm. So that one is a little bit, um, a little bit complex. And then the fourth one would be um, compression. Mm-hmm. So compression can be multi-layer bandaging or the use of compression garments. And then there's others, you know, like compression wraps where they use Velcro, especially for lower extremity. Most patients won't be able to bend down to do it. So the Velcro wraps would work, work best. So for lymphedema, those are the main components that you have to go over with the patient. And mm-hmm. your frequency can range from twice a week to five times a week, depending on um, what phase you're in and depending Mm -hmm. on what you're trying to achieve. The five times a week, um, just a brief uh, note on that. Mm -hmm. You do that when you want to intensively decongest a limb to Mm -hmm. try to fit them into a garment or I should rephrase that. You want to decongest the limbs so that after the two to three weeks of doing the daily treatments, they get fitted for their compression garment. Mm, That way, it's the right size for them. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, you know, when they come to the clinic, they'll have measurements already for for the sleeve or the stocking. But we have to repeat that after I've made the, the limb smaller. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that can also be important to, to know that you have to coordinate with, with the whole clinical team. So you have to talk to the orthotist also. Um, if we're talking about cancer rehabilitation, um, the most common things that you would treat is cancer-related fatigue. That's the number mm-hmm. one. Number two would be chemotherapy-induced neuropathy. 
Right. So teaching them um, desensitization techniques. Um, there's also gloves and socks that you can teach, uh, have them use so that they can sleep better. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of education there. And then you have to assess for falls because if they have neuropathy in the feet, then you probably will have balance issues also. So then that, you know, that opens up a whole new different kind of um, intervention. After that, um, I would say those are the main things. And then lymphedema, of course. Mm -hmm. And then everything else, you know, you'll have radiation fibrosis which is um, tightness and scarring of the skin because of radiation so that involves more manual therapy mm -hmm. um, you have to work closely with the radiation oncologist there to make sure that you can manipulate the skin right. um, it can't yeah because they have to be usually they should be done already with radiation before you try to loosen it up mm -hmm. So a lot of skin long-term side effects, you have to uh, know how to treat. Mm -hmm. um, and then the rest, I think, is pretty much about the same thing as we do for other patients. Mm -hmm. Range of motion, um, activity uh, modifications, sleep hygiene, mm, nutrition sometimes, nutrition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, do you also handle... Uh, pain coming from uh, the cancer, cancer yes type pain. thank you mm -hmm. yes yes pain so, so, pain is actually a big big goal for mm -hmm. cancer patients so how do you handle that in terms of this is going to be a chronic pain and and patients are i don't know uh, they may not be able to like completely overcome it how do you handle that in terms of physical therapy and education with a patient so pain management, if they have, you know, significant amount of pain, they're usually on me pain medication. Mm -hmm. If they are, our role as physical therapists is to make sure that they're compliant with the frequency of mm -hmm. the pain medication. So it's almost kind of like being a nurse in this sense where you ask them, are, are you taking it at the right time? Mm -hmm. uh, are you taking the right dose? Mm -hmm. You know, so giving them tools, maybe like a calendar, um, and, and asking the physician if, if the patient or asking the patient to talk to the physician if they can increase her, his or her dose. You can also um, recommend uh, over-the-counter, not over-the-counter, but topical. Mm -hmm. um, that might be helpful for them. Of course, still asking the physician if it's okay. Um, besides pain, management, pain medication management, it's also depending on where the pain is coming from. Because if it's a pain that's coming from a particular part of the skin, mm -hmm. then they might be having scar tissue there. All right. So you can definitely help with that. And that, you know, I've, I've used cupping in the past to, to really loosen up the skin. That's really where your manual therapy skills would, would take place. Mm -hmm. um, if, you know, especially with radiation and sometimes they'll have radiation if, if it's, you know, gynecological, then they'll have radiation in the abdominal area. So, you know, depending on the body type of the patient, there's lots of areas that, that um, fibrosis can happen. So um, we definitely can help if the pain's coming from there. Um, other kinds of pain, 
is usually activity related. So then same thing, proper body mechanics, using different muscles if you can, mm-hmm. adaptive equipment if they need it, and not just our basic gait training equipment. You know, you can look into have the patient wear braces, um, splints, um, talking closely with the occupational therapist and asking them, you know, what else what else can can I offer for this patient? Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, we, we talked about earlier that the spectrum of patients uh, that you're seeing from, from uh, patients who were recently diagnosed to patients who were uh, after surgery. So I, I've read somewhere before that uh, they're advising now that it's best to, like right after diagnosis, to see a physical therapist just to set a baseline, baseline for all the functions and all the mobility capacity of the patient, so that they the the, the patient has something that they uh, they can look back right. So, do you also like do that for those patients that are recently diagnosed and creating a program for that patient? So that is a big goal for every cancer rehabilitation therapist mm-hmm. is prehab. So mm-hmm. it's- prehab unfortunately i would get them from time to time Mm -hmm. if they're coming for a different diagnosis let's say i'll have an orthopedic based um, diagnosis and then she or he was recently diagnosed with cancer so then you know i can treat that Mm -hmm. in terms of physicians referring right after diagnosis that doesn't happen often Mm -hmm. and that's that's one of the biggest things that um, lymphedema therapist and cancer rehabilitation therapist is, is trying to advocate for mm-hmm. is, is to get that referral earlier or what I'm gonna um, what I'm actually in the middle of um, implementing in our clinic is a monthly education class so it's 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 almost kind of like a diabetic education class mm-hmm. where as soon as they get diagnosed with diabetes they are put in this class with a nurse mm-hmm. And they are given basic information about um, how to manage diabetes. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like how I'm hoping the educational class is going to pan out. Um, More inter- some- interdisciplinary. Interdisciplinary, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so you were saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so the class, um, I'm hoping that um, it, I, you know, even just the basic you know, few minutes with them and, and, and them seeing that there is a therapist mm-hmm. um, that's available if they need it in the future. And I, I think that's a big help already. Mm-hmm. So for those, what types of program do you create or develop for patients who are recently diagnosed? Aside from the, the of course, primarily the education, what uh, in terms of physical theory program or development are you like trying to create for them? Um, it's more on uh, education about fatigue, mm-hmm. um, what to expect, when to expect it, what to do when they have it. I see. Um, and, and not too many, you know, you want to be simple with the things that you tell them because you don't want to discourage them to receive mm-hmm. their cancer treatments either. Right. So I wouldn't... Um, explain well i will talk to them about lymphedema but i would not uh it can be scary for patients Mm -hmm. um, to to know that this can be a chronic um 
condition for them. And that can deter them to receive radiation, which is, of course, you don't want to do. Right. Don't want to discourage them from um, receiving treatments for, for cancer. So the program has to emphasize on coping strategies mm-hmm. rather than um, alternative strategies. So we're right. not we're not an alternative treatment for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. We're just here to advocate for them supplement mm-hmm. the treatments that they're getting from their um, onco- oncology team mm-hmm. uh, and their primary care physician. Mm-hmm. And um, also it helps us in, in the sense that if we get them early, it's easier for us when they come back. Because mm-hmm. then you're, you have an idea of what they went through. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It's important to see them, to see them at their baseline so that you can know what they they were before everything uh, happened. And it's also nice, I guess, for if, if they know that you're available, the physical therapist is available to help them in, in those times that they, they need it, that at least they know that there's physical therapy or therapies are there to help him and it's available. Yes, because actually it's it's not very even lymphedema. It's not very popular mm-hmm. the treatment, and not only in for patients, but even in the clinical team. You know, with physicians, sometimes you have to spend educating physicians and mm-hmm. letting them know when is it the you know a good time to refer this patient and not wait until it's it's so severe that it's gonna be more complicated to treat Mm -hmm. Um, so you're not just advocating for the patient you're also advocating for the profession Mm -hmm. um, and really having that um, communication with the physician because you know of course that's always a struggle for us Mm -hmm. sometimes right Um, but it's you know it's a it's an opportunity to bridge that gap Mm -hmm. yeah some be some some physicians are not like familiar in what we can bring to the team. Yes, mm-hmm. what we can offer the patient. Yeah, there because you know these interventions are are fairly new, and mm-hmm. and cancer rehabilitation is ever you know evolving. Lymphedema mm-hmm. treatment as well, um, and there's you know always new things that that re, like in research. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I think it's a we have a role. To play mm-hmm. in in making it more accessible for for everybody, for therapists, mm-hmm. for patients, their families. Mm-hmm. Don't forget their families because that's a that's a big ally for you, and and of course the medical team. Right, and they, I think they they only they only know that we're gonna refer the patient uh, the patient with cancer to physical therapists when they start to feel those symptoms, and they're not aware that we can even see them before right. the symptoms come out. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they won't, you know, the patients are not aware that it's a symptom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, all right. So, you know, catching these patients very early and just having that conversational interview is, is, is very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the long run, it does make the treatment easier. Mm-hmm. Right. And they might, they might think that it's normal. It's a normal part of, of the right. and cancer just, intervention. You know, live with it and mm-hmm. their quality of life can decrease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's great. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. So 
um, you've been in in the oncologic rehabilitation space for quite some time now. And, and what have you, what are the things that you've picked up or learned from uh, seeing patients with cancer and cancer-related symptoms? Um, in terms of interventions or? In terms of intervention in, in the whole uh, perspective of your practice. Okay. Or what are the things that you picked up or learned from, from that experience? The main thing I learned is I'm, I'm learning still every mm-hmm. single day. Right, right. <laughs> you know, these patients are going to teach you a lot. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much your teachers, these mm-hmm. patients. Um, the first time out of um, lymphedema certification, I had a patient. She's 67 years old, has been on a power wheelchair for ever since mm-hmm. since she was eight years old oh. and because of an accident so mm-hmm. she had elephantiasis in the right lower extremity and then she had history of cancer so it was a very you know complicated case and mm-hmm. I, you know at one point I, I was confused about what was i gonna do how was i gonna help this patient you know there mm-hmm. were so many issues but you know Making sure that you, you know, you have, or telling yourself that you, you, you can help this patient mm-hmm. is very helpful because it can get overwhelming. So the, I think the, the point I'm getting at is if you get a challenging case and oftentimes with cancer patients, you know, their history is challenging, mm-hmm. don't get overwhelmed and um, try to see the bigger picture and keep it patient and functional based. If you stick with that, you can't get it wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest um, takeaway for me for seeing the for seeing patients. Because even if they have like twenty symptoms, mm-hmm. what is the most problematic uh, activity for them? Mm-hmm. Start there, even if it's just one, and you know, so you spend three to four weeks just on that one you know it, it is some and sometimes you only see them once a week depending on transportation the family can't bring them they don't have family you know it, it can be very challenging but mm-hmm. every little bit of information you give this to these patients is 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 a big help for them and they're very very grateful these patients are very very grateful most often Learn to prioritize what's what's mm-hmm. the, the most uh, valuable or meaningful thing that they want to address. Exactly. On. Mm-hmm. Ask yeah. the patient what they want to work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing about um, treating cancer patients is not is trying not to be judgmental. Mm-hmm. Also, because um, sometimes you'll have patients who have substance abuse mm-hmm. um, who are still smoking, even though they've had radical neck dissection for throat cancer. Mm -hmm. They'll have those patients and you're not there to judge them. Uh, We're not there to tell them, you know, they're making bad choices. Uh, It's, it's really trying to uh, help them in, in functional activities and keeping the personal perspective, you know, um, in check. I remember one of my clinical managers back then mentioned that well, they're adults; they're allowed to uh, to, to do 
certain whatever things. Whatever they want. <laughs> whatever they want. So right, right. stick to what you can help them do and let their bad decisions <laughs> by themselves. All right, that's it. Right. <laughs> so, it's hard though. It's hard because, mm-hmm. you know, especially you, you want to help them. Right, right, right. So sometimes we have to, I have to remember to, I have to take a step back and say, mm-hmm. This patient is not my daughter. This patient mm-hmm. is not my mother. Uh-huh. You know, you know, you want to help them, but mm-hmm. if you're going to, I guess, be aggressive about your mm-hmm. treatment, then mm-hmm. you won't be able to do that. And sometimes yeah. you have to let go and just let them, let them decide for themselves. Right. You're just yeah. giving them information. Right, and, and you, that would be you're risking alienating the, your patient from exactly. from you and, and your your treatment. They might benefit so. Right. If you've laid out all the information, it's up to them to decide. And, if they're going to take it. If gonna, they're going to take it, right. Right. So for, for physical therapists or their colleagues who want to get into uh, cancer rehabilitation and or uh, already treating patients with uh, cancer or cancer-related symptoms, what good advice can you, can you give them in terms of uh, physical therapy practice and patient care? My advice would be to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very important to, like I said earlier, to, to separate yourself for, from them. Because mm-hmm. again, these patients are very fragile mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they seek comfort mm-hmm. and it's, it's easy for us to get, you know, attached to that. Um, but it's, it's important to not build that wall, but create that space. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when you leave that room, don't care, try not to carry that outside of the room. Leave it in the room. Because if you're seeing another patient, you have to start fresh. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my biggest, biggest advice is because in terms of knowledge, you, you have it. You have it. It's there. You know, um, resources are there. It's, if you spend time and you want to learn it, it, that's the easy part, I feel like. But the treatment that's hard is, is knowing when, like deciding when you need to let go and discharge, start discharging this patient. Because you can't see all of them forever. You cannot. <laughs> um, they can come back. And most of them do, but but really having that clinical skill to decide when it's time for them to be on their own mm-hmm. um, is important. And you won't be able to do that if you're uh, f- uh, emotionally attached to each mm-hmm. patient. So that's my biggest advice is, um, you know, the meditation and the mindfulness and the diaphragmatic breathing that you teach to your patients, mm-hmm. do it for yourself. Right. <laughs> And not, I mean, not just for cancer rehabilitation therapists, it's also for all physical therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it's important that we don't get burnt out. Um, you won't be able to help your patient if you're not taking care of yourself. Right. It, it's easier to say than that because in our line of uh, uh, work, is we are encouraged or we do best uh, in our work if we are empathic. And, and being putting ourselves in our patient's shoes. And sometimes it's overwhelming once it your is. patient cries at you right. and, and tells you their problems. Sometimes they're 
they're unsure of the future, learning that their um, cancer has come back, and things like that. So it can be overwhelming. And you're right, self-care is still self-care. Uh, uh, so priority for us physical therapists in order to help more. Yes, yes, because you have to you have to keep yourself very elastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so can you can um do it for more people and my instructor before said um when you enter a room and you're treating a patient try to remember that it's their time Mm -hmm. it's not your time it's their time so if if they talk about their mother or they talk about their daughter it's Mm -hmm. their family not yours right so i thought that was very helpful Mm -hmm. because then i can I can I can create that space between me and the patient. That's true. Just just listen. Let them speak. Uh, they might mm-hmm. just need someone to listen to to let exactly. let, let it out. They're mm-hmm. not really seeking your advice. Or advice exactly. <laughs> They're just they just mm-hmm. want someone to listen to. So it, that helps them out. Yes. Right. All right. So thank you for for spending uh, your time with us and and uh, sharing your experiences with your practice in, in cancer rehabilitation. Um, I just have, uh, before I let you go, I just have my three last bites or le- my three last questions. Um, my first one is, uh, in order to elevate our profession, so what should physical therapists do? Um, I would say communicating more with the other clinical team members. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that we don't alienate ourselves from nursing, from physicians, uh, from the support staff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you work in a in a outpatient clinic, your support staff is is important. If you don't have them, you know, you can't you won't be able to do your work. Right. You can't focus on the clinical side of things because mm-hmm. you know, as you know, in when you work, it's not just the clinical, it's not just the patient. It's uh, you know, there's other things that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think you know, being a team member um, for the patient um, and for you, and also being part of um, the education for the patient's family. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Don't forget to include, if they do have family members, to me, to communicate with them, um, with the patient's consent, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's the b- biggest advice I can I can give. All right. Um, second one is, what's included in your uh, physical therapy toolbox whenever you go to work? What's your go-to tools that you use? Hands. <laughs> Your hands. Quite manual. Yeah, my hands. Um, with lymphedema therapy and cancer rehabilitation, um, it, it, my hands are the biggest asset. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, even if you're not really performing a full sequence, mm-hmm. you know, just having that cueing, mm-hmm. okay, and that connection with the patient, um, it helps them a lot. Sometimes it's even help, more helpful than than verbally verbally cueing them. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they'll be talking about their day, and I'll start already. You know, cueing their shoulders, relaxing them down. You know, they're speaking, mm-hmm. and they're venting their their stories out, and I'll be like, "Oh, okay, breathe, breathe, okay." And then what happened? 
you know, mm. so in the middle of that, you're multitasking. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really my hands. Right. My hands are my biggest <laughs> and my, my last question is the show is called PT meal. It's a complete meal. As I've mentioned in my intro <laughs> of inspiration and uh, information um, for my last question is what are the three ingredients that are essential for you that you carry with you every day? It may be a motto, uh, a principle, a belief, a value that you carry with you every day that you think are essential. Uh, in short, what are the three things that make up Juno Sete? Oh, gosh. <laughs> a hard question. <laughs> you should have texted me this question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I would have to say... Open ears, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the biggest thing. And not just for patients, but for your coworkers. Um, you can close them later on <laughs> <laughs> for your coworkers. I'm just kidding. Um, open ears. Um, mindfulness mm-hmm. um, of what I say. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important because you are a representation of, of the clinic and of the profession. Mm-hmm. mindfulness of um, you know your actions mm-hmm. and then the third one would be to try to try to to try to have fun with it you know mm-hmm. with your work um, as I said earlier you can be creative and you know you can be um, the fun part of their day you know so when they come in they're usually like in severe pain. You mm-hmm. can turn that around. You have that power mm-hmm. you know, to turn it around. And sometimes you don't, you know, we're not talking about slapstick, you know. It's not a joke. Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> but listening to them and making, you know, witty side comments and uh, maybe making a fool of yourself a little bit mm-hmm. and just, just trying to let, kind of, kind of let them loosen up. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you can't do that immediately on the first first visit. You mm-hmm. want to be professional, but you can be professional and fun at the same time. Right. And, and it really does help also for you so that you can kind of relax a mm-hmm. little bit. And it, it is all serious. It's important to, to have a break. Right. Mm-hmm. So open ears, mindfulness, and uh, having fun. All right. All right. So again, thank you very much, June, for spending time and sharing again your experience and your uh, your work with us as the uh, physical therapist in cancer rehabilitation. And um, as a takeaway, your pabao natin for the listeners. What do you want them to take away from? If there's one thing that you want them to take away from this episode, what would that be? Um, don't forget about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cause, um, I really, f- I really wish I knew before how tiring it can be to be mm-hmm. a PT. Um, you want to just, you know, keep going, keep going. And then you get to a point where you're stuck. Mm-hmm. You're just stuck and mm-hmm. you don't know where to go. So I really think it's important to have dreams and goals but not to compromise your quality of life either. The same advice that we give to patients. Mm-hmm. That's that's my biggest um, advice, I guess. <laughs> I hope I hope somebody will find that helpful because I I know 
that would have been helpful for me mm-hmm. in the beginning. All right. Again, thank you very much for your time and being in the show. It was, it's my pleasure to have you here. Thank you. And that caps off the uh, fourth season of PT Mill Physical Therapy Podcast. Thank you for your continued support. If you haven't followed uh, the show's uh, social media pages, uh, it's at PT Mill Podcast in Facebook and Instagram. And uh, also, you can search us in uh, YouTube, Physical Thera- PT Mill Physical Therapy Podcast. Some of the episodes are uploaded there already. And I am just taking my time to edit uh, uh, some of the episodes as well so that we can have most, if not all, of the episodes in a, the video format. So for those who are visual learners, can can watch the episodes there as well. If you have any suggestions or physical therapists you want to uh, be featured or be a guest in the show, you can send me an email at ptmail.com podcast at gmail.com or send me a private message in my social media in facebook and instagram all right see you again for the next season of pt meal physical therapy podcast